0: We're live in the Asia Tech podcast studio. Graham Brown and Karen Bardwaz. Karen, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks well, a lot. It's great to
0: have you here. We're going to talk about Rara delivery. Yeah. Journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Stepping outside the comfort zone of the corporate <laughs> world into the world of entrepreneurship. Right. So, a man who was many years in Unilever, right? Right, right. How many years were you in Unilever? I
1: was there? Four years. Four to four years. Four five years. Yeah.
0: yeah. Four or five years. Yes and then you became an entrepreneur. That's right,
1: yeah.
0: Before we talk about Rara Delivery, one of the questions I'm asking guests today, at what point in your life, this is a big question, did you know that you were destined to become an entrepreneur or did it just sort of happen?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think even when I was in university, right, from from that time, I always felt that I liked solving problems. You know, Mm. That, that may sound cliche, but that was basically where I felt that I need my freedom and I want to see the impact, right. the most important thing, right? I'm nothing against the corporate world, it's great, but uh, I wanted to have much more impact mm. in terms of what I'm doing. you know eventually which is where I thought entrepreneurship was really the direction so at university yeah
0: yeah. where did you go to university Uh, NTU in
1: Singapore itself. right okay
0: where you from originally from India from India when did you come to Singapore so
1: I came after a levels Uh so I came to Singapore for my university okay back in
0: 2009 2009 so 2009 you were 18
1: 17. 17. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then you came to Singapore. Yes. Was it part of the master plan? Was it part of I'm gonna become an entrepreneur or you were just kind of happy to go and travel the world and see a bit of it?
1: I think it was more of flatter. I won't say at the age of 17 I was clear in terms right. of what exactly to do. I think that's too early for anybody to know. And you know, I always believe in exploring out there, yeah, look at all the opportunities and see what you like, and then you know pursue from there, yeah, so that was really the plan um and I didn't really plan to move out of India, I didn't really plan to singapore i dots just kept connecting yeah that's how uh, it happens right? yes yes it
0: seems very random at the time but when you're right. older and wiser right you realize was part of the master plan
1: that's right that's right. and now definitely if i look back and yeah. see how things have turned out yeah it definitely looks like part of the plan yes makes
0: sense where are you from in india uh near delhi near delhi yes so um was it uh, natural for people in your generation to become entrepreneurs so the people around you. I know it, it's changing in India. yes, but yes. there's still many safer alternatives than being an entrepreneur right
1: right right. Uh, during my times, so I would say like 10 years back, yeah. not that much like uh, a generation uh, the youth in India would still you know they would get a lot of opportunities mm. you know consulting, banking, engineering a lot of engineers, we know. Um, but now things have definitely changed, you know, like the top universities, the MBA colleges, they are bringing the startup ecosystem into the culture, right. into the curriculum itself, which is what is changing. Yeah. And now, I mean, the startup industry in India is in a
0: boom as well. Uh, right. there's so
1: many startups coming out of universities itself. So things have definitely changed. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. And th- it's sort of a side conversation as well yeah. here in Singapore, yeah, yeah. I think, as well. And there is a, it seems that a lot of the entrepreneurial spirit is yeah. being sort of imported in a way. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, without getting too controversial, there's yeah. a very sort of, you know, if you're young and Singaporean, there are many yeah, yeah. alternatives That's to being true. a startup yeah. entrepreneur. Isn't That's that? true. You know, That's and true. safe as well. Yeah, good yeah. careers, good pensions. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people coming from outside of singapore and starting businesses here i'm one you're one and they've come from specific communities as well so there seems to be a strong representation of indian entrepreneurs here in singapore very successful right right as well as you know people from other parts of the world so it it all adds to a good mix doesn't it? that's true they're bringing different ideas that's
1: a good point about singapore right you have a lot of different races coming together and contributing to the growing economy yeah same applies for the startup ecosystem as well and which is good because you know you get different minds and working on different Absolutely. types of ideas that that
0: helps the ecosystem to grow
1: yeah so good that's great
0: well let's talk about growing the ecosystem in context yeah. of logistics and rara delivery we're going to have yes. a quick look at your pitch deck shut, if you shut. may can yeah so yeah. here we go rapid rabbit so this is the actual name of the, the company, company yeah, itself. that's right, All right. yes um I want to ask you um, a little bit about the problem that you're solving and yeah. when you um, do that also to sort of look at the size of the market because yeah, you've provided yeah. a lot of data, headline yeah, data yeah. on what we're looking at here, especially yeah, in t- yeah. the context of e-commerce, That's right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, what is the genesis of yeah. Rapid Rabbits first? Right. Where, where did the right. idea start?
1: Okay, Okay. good. You know, for, for the idea to start, let me just give you a quick a little more background about myself. Yeah, we like stories here, so let's do that. (laughs) Uh, So I was in Unilever right after I graduated, and I was basically in supply chain in Unilever. So I worked across all the different sub-functions in supply chain. So I was in planning, procurement, logistics, manufacturing, customer service. I did a little bit of sales as well. uh, In Indonesia, Vietnam, and Singapore. Mm. So I was based in all of these markets, yeah. So, ha- having accumulated the experience from different supply chain subfunctions in 2016, 2017, I was basically managing to end-to-end supply chain for the Unilever e-commerce across the cluster. Yeah, so I was managing Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, Philippines, mm-hmm. and partnering with the likes of partnering with the likes of uh, Lazada, Shopee across the cluster. Mm. Yep. So that's where I saw the real boom in e-commerce, right? And I was stunned with the potential and the opportunity and what so many players are doing out there. And I saw a clear gap and the opportunity in the last mile industry. Mm. Yeah, that's where what the genesis- What do you genesis, mean by last mile? Let,
0: let's define that because that may not be a familiar term right, for right. some people. So
1: last mile is basically delivering the parcels mm. from businesses' warehouse to the doorstep, to the right. consumer's doorstep. That's the last mile delivery. Yep. And there are different Parts of supply chain in e-commerce, and that's one of the parts. That's not mm. the entire supply chain, but that's one of the parts. And that's where I saw a clear gap, mm. and I thought, okay, let me try something there. And right. that's where the idea originated.
0: Is that specific yeah. to Asia? Because you've talked about some, for example, like Lazada. As yeah. An example. yeah, I mean that yeah. in the grand scheme of things is quite yeah. a new player compared right. to Amazon. Right? right, right, right. You know, in the US, right. Amazon are well established, twenty right. years right. old, right. Here in Asia, especially Southeast Asia, right, Lazada, last mile. Is it more of an undefined market? What's the situation for those who don't yeah. kind of understand the yeah, lay of yeah. the land? And yeah. you've sat across all these markets. Please right. help us understand, right, define right, it right. a little
1: bit. Correct. So I think the market landscape is different when it comes to logistics. Like if we talk about US, like Amazon has really defined how things work. You know, consumer at the center, and they're everything they have put everything in place and owned. It themselves yeah. and making sure they have things in control and making sure they're working it out, to, uh, because you know at that point there was nobody else doing. They had to make it work, mm. and they, saw, they thought, "Why do anybody else? Let me do it." Not that's not the same case in Southeast Asia, right? So in Southeast Asia, there's so many e-commerce players. Not everybody is building their own logistics, which also doesn't make sense because mm. you don't have scale. So that ends up coming to the logistics providers, the 3PLs, who then eventually help these businesses, e-commerce businesses, mm. to manage their last mile delivery. Got it, so right.
0: compare that to, say, the US, yeah, yeah. would Amazon own the logistics providers or not? How would it compare yeah. differently?
1: So it's a hybrid, you know, right. so, so they have a lot of their own last mile delivery, provide, mm. delivery service in-house. At the same time, they partner with a lot of right. other uh, 3PLs as well. Okay. Yeah, so it's always a mix. Right, and it's a right. much
0: more established market compared yes. to here in Southeast right. Asia. What That's do we right. have in Southeast Asia? Yeah. Maybe we can have a look at some of the, the data first. So Sure, sure. Um, if we can just flick through yeah. your so I think we have to put this into context of the yes. growth of e-commerce in That's Southeast right. Asia. We That's hear right. a lot about growth of e-commerce in China obviously, right. you know, yeah. Alibaba. Yeah, yeah. Obviously a big factor in it, JD right. etc. Right, right. Southeast Asia is, you know, not far behind this market, right? Yeah. Um, A key input factor is obviously the growth of the middle classes as well. Right. You know, especially it's good news for Unilever. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So what we're talking about here, if we have a look at your data here, the market is growing from where you've projected it, if I was to sort of lean across sort of 13 to 17 billion. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Currently to almost three times that within how many years? Five years? Six years? Correct.
1: So that $88 billion is roughly around 2025.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. So... If we would forward seven years, yeah, the market's going to increase by four to yes. fivefold. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's driving right. that? Apart from the middle classes, That's is right. it just the middle classes? Definitely.
1: Is it? I mean, a w- lot of factors, right? One is the middle class. The other yeah. is the internet penetration. Yeah. yeah, the internet penetration is growing at a tremendous rate. Like more and more people, in let's say Indonesia and. Vietnam they have more and more people have mobile uh, connectivity Mm. more of them people are going to internet you know surfing things and which is where and then that's where they realize the convenience factor that the e-commerce brings so growing middle-class growing internet penetration the requirement for convenience all of them comes together to growing e-commerce industry Mm.
0: yeah so if that's grown four or five times in Six or seven years, yeah, yeah. Compared to, say, let's say the US, has the yeah. US had a lot longer to grow that speed? Because I'm wondering, you know, we're sort of playing catch up a little bit here right, in not right. we? Definitely. Yeah. You know, if we were to compare that, they've had 20 years to put that together. Right, right, right. Here in Asia, it's happened in a third of that time. Right. Correct. Correct. And there's no sort of the, there isn't that established last mile player base used to e-commerce right, at the same right. sort of level. Right. In US as an example. Got it, got, right? got it, got it. Okay, so so we can understand, so where we're we coming from. Sure, sure, <laughs> yeah. All right, I just want to flick through here because um, it's kind of interesting that you've already defined the market yeah. here in terms of last mile players. Yeah. We you know we know a lot of these brands as household yeah. Yeah. brands. Interestingly, you're talking about Southeast Asia here. We yeah. have, for example, if you look at the bottom left. Yeah, yeah. Takubin being a Japanese company, right. which have right. a strong presence here. Right, right. Um, Singapore Post, obviously. Yeah old-fashioned postal service, NinjaVan. And then on the other side, you've got Lala Move, who are based in Hong Kong, I believe, right? right? Yeah. Okay, and GoGoVan, I'm not sure where they're based. But can you yeah. tell us a little bit about what the market is like now? Right, right, right. Okay, you know, let me
1: just take a small step back. Let's do it. Yeah, small step back. And let me come to this slide when we talk about the logistics players, right? But for us to be really able to understand Rara, and understand what the market landscape is, we need to talk about customers, mm. yeah? We need to talk about customers. So what I mean by that is, um, if you, let's say, you know, think about 20 years back. Right, 20 years back, nobody really expected that, you know, I can just order a shirt online and then it'll show up at my doorstep. What, really? I don't need to go to a shop, yeah. right? That was usually Crazy. the perception, right? And today, it has become like a norm, a standard, right? consumers have gone used to the way they shop online. And it is part and parcel of their life, right? So the consumer behavior has really changed, right? And now in today's time, in the last like three, four years, with the advent of shared economy model, that consumer behavior is changing much faster, right? So what I mean by that is, um, If I need a taxi, you know, I need to go somewhere, I book a taxi, 30 seconds, boom, it's downstairs, right? Mm. If I want to order food, I order food, 30 minutes, it's at my doorstep. Now, all of these experiences are actually changing the consumer behavior, and with that changing consumer behavior, the consumer expectations are increasing a lot, right? Now, if you talk about online shopping, Mm. right? Now, if you talk about online shopping, the standard right now is 2 days delivery 3 days delivery right like if you order whichever website abc.com you order something you will get it after 2 days you'll get it after 3 days and that's the standard but what what i believe what we foresee is that's not going to remain the standard no. let's say after 5 years forget 5 years after a year you know that's not going to be standard anymore and the standard is going to change right the consumers are asking for more the consumer expecting much faster deliveries you know just just imagine like friday morning you place an order for a dress and evening 7 pm it, it's at your doorstep for you to wear for the friday dinner yeah right that's a level of service that consumers are going to expect right and that's where e-commerce need to shift towards as well right businesses need to up their game to be able to cater to this growing same-day delivery demand, mm. yeah. So that's where Rara comes in. Got it. So we are primarily a e-commerce last-mile delivery service who is focused on same-day delivery.
0: Yeah. So let's unpack that a little yeah. bit and understand yeah. how it works. Yeah. I want to put that into context as well before sure. we unpack a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last night, nothing to do with you guys, but I ordered. <laughs> I ordered as an example, just yeah. to talk about expectations. I ordered um, through. Uh, RedMart. Yeah, yeah. So RedMart are one, of, not the largest grocery yeah, deliverer yeah, gl- delivery yeah, in yeah. Singapore, right? Yeah. Ordered with RedMart due to arrive between seven and nine o'clock. Yeah. P.M. Yeah. Got a text at nine saying it's going to be nine forty-five. Yeah. It was still late. Yeah. They said it was traffic, and then yeah. ten o'clock still hadn't turned up. But ten yeah. o'clock, bearing in mind it yeah. was still only th- three hours that window. Yeah. Yeah. I, I spoke to customer service and they said, Oh, it's a bit delayed. Yeah. Um and I, I sort of got a bit cross and I said, Cancel it. Yeah, <laughs> it, I threw my toys out the pram. I said cancel yeah. it. Right now, put this into context. When I was a kid, yeah, and I ordered something through yeah. mail order. Yeah, yeah. Right, it was everything said. Please allow 28 yeah. days for delivery. Right, right, right. So right. I'm the same person, but my expectations yeah. have gone from accepting a month exactly. for delivery to right. getting cross exactly at one hour late. Correct. So there you go, and I'm not necessarily of the demographic that's grown yeah. up with yeah. these yeah. sort of like sharing economy apps, right? So it just shows you how much now. And the interesting thing is that I think that you're completely right. The expectations are the key. Yeah. Where we thought two yeah. or three days was actually a good thing. Now consumers are going to get crossed. Exactly. They, they want it now. Correct. They want it the same day. So tell us a little bit about how you're dealing with that.
1: Right, right. Correct. So totally aligned with that. You know. I mean, I think so with your experience, I've personally faced that as well. And that's going to be how it will be right moving forward. So now if you talk about the logistics landscape right the slide that you were showing earlier mm. so there are two types of logistics players out there in the market right yep so we basically separated how the logistics landscape looks in terms of the players yep so one is uh, a business focused traditional player you know who are whose model is more on consolidation sorting right mm-hmm. so how they operate is the likes of like ninja van post so how they would operate is They would go to a business's warehouse collect all the parcels take it back to their sorting center and similarly from all the respective businesses collect take it back to the sorting center uh, consolidate all the parcels sort based on the zones Mm -hmm. create routes for the next day or next to next day and then the subsequent day the drivers collect their parcels follow a certain route and then deliver right that's how that's how I would say traditionally logistics have been, right. even before e-commerce came in, right? Even before it was B2B logistics, like retailer distributor to retailer. This was the way how it used to be. It has always been, right? And this kind of a model is perfect. It has proven to be efficient, and it is efficient if you're talking about next day delivery or one to two days delivery, right? But if we try to replicate this model for same day delivery, that's where the challenges start to come in. Why? Right? Because with same day, the you, ha- you always have a time crunch, right? So if, let's say, businesses try to follow the same model for same day delivery, then you still need to go through your whole processes of going back to sorting center, sorting mm. it, creating routes, and then drivers picking up again, right? And then all the parcels are traveling possibly traveling double distance. Like you go to a business warehouse, come back to the sorting center, and then go out for the delivery. So you're losing out on a lot of time there. Hmm. So n- it doesn't prove really efficient for same day delivery. And if and there are some players in Southeast Asia who are trying to follow the same model for same day delivery, but then what happens is your time cutoff is way early right. in the day. But are they
0: still possible. employing the old B2C? Their DNA is B to C traditional mail order Correct. with the depots and the like you say. Right, right, But all they're just trying to do is go faster. Exactly. So okay.
1: with their model how it works is they're saying my cutoff time is let's say ten or eleven in the morning. Right. So okay. that I still have time to go back and do everything, right? But then that compromises on the customer service, right? What we are trying to say is have l- as late cut off as possible. Mm. You know, so even if you place it let's say two PM, you still get it same day. But then that becomes a challenge if you're for, for facing the same uh, B two C model. Yeah, you can't right? do
0: it within that model. Exactly, right? that's what you're saying. Okay, Correct. gotcha.
1: So that's one type of the logistics player, right? Mm. And then we have the other type of logistics player, which are the on-demand model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is where the Lala moves and the GoGo vans. And then similarly, <clears throat> in Indonesia, we have Grab, Gojek, all of them trying to do the same mm. thing with the on-demand model. So on-demand model. It's perfect for an express point-to-point delivery.
0: Right. It doesn't mm-hmm. have a warehouse in correct, between. Correct.
1: Correct. So let's say some businesses deploying these any of these players, right. the these on-demand drivers, they would go to the business, pick up, and directly go and deliver. Right. Right. So what they're doing is they're really leveraging the on-demand fleet. Yeah. Because that's their strength. Yep. They have thousands of drivers or maybe 100,000 drivers on the streets, and they're leveraging those drivers to do deliveries. Mm-hmm. Now with them, the problem comes in terms of optimization. So what I'm saying is one driver is doing one order, one delivery, or maybe two or three maximum, right? Mm. Because one driver does two to three deliveries max. So if suppose I have 100 100 orders, I would need 50 or maybe 25 drivers to come and pick up their respective Mm -hmm. parcels. So that becomes an issue when we want to scale Right. If I have 1,000 orders, right. do I get 500 drivers to come in and pick up
0: right. and deliver? And you right. have to have 1,000 orders regularly correct. to fund those drivers' lifestyles. Correct, right?
1: correct. So now basically what we're doing is we're taking the best of the both worlds. Mm. Right. So the traditional model, they're really good with capacity utilization, mm-hmm. they're really good with optimizing their uh, routes, whereas the second model is very much focused on uh, on demand express same day mm-hmm. so what we are offering is we're offering the best of the both worlds in which we still make sure that we are optimizing the capacity of our vehicles we are still making sure we do the route optimization and at the same time be able to do same day deliveries at scale
0: right why don't the C to c players yeah. so like the Lala moves yeah. do what you're doing yeah why can't they do a hybrid yeah. model yeah what's yeah. it why does it take someone like you to do that right?
1: So I think uh, one of the answers is really on the technology front, right. right? So our strength is really on the tech that we have built. Mm-hmm. So just to share more about that, right? So how it works is if, let's say, a business has 100, 200,000 orders, mm-hmm. right? And once the orders come through, come to our system through API integration and stuff, our algorithms start creating routes in real time, yeah? So our algorithm, would do a lot of optimization, looking at a lot of factors together. So our algorithms would do capacity optimization, would say, if I have a bike or a car or a van or a lorry, how many parcels can I fit in, in each of mm. these vehicles to optimize the capacity, Yep. And then distance optimization, to make sure our distance is as minimal as possible, you know, mm. to do it faster, right? And then optimize the time slot, because what we do is we even offer time slots within the same day, yeah? So to make sure every point that we reach We reach during the time slot that the customer has requested for. All of this happens in real time. And we are optimizing like thousands and ten thousands of orders at the same time in real time. Mm -hmm. So that technology is what differentiates us from just, you know, on-demand matching of orders. Yeah. Okay,
0: is that an AI-based algorithm? Yes. How, is it learning as well as it goes on? That's right, that's right.
1: So we started with our our own proprietary algorithms, mm. like our algorithms that we built from mm. scratch. And now, as and when we're getting more orders, the algorithms are definitely learning itself and it's getting better and better.
0: Okay, good. Yes. I'd like to know a little bit about your team
1: as well. Yeah, Do yeah.
0: we have a, is there a slide in your pitch deck with the team in it? I just wondered. Yes. Uh, I think it's towards the end. Here yes, we go, the founding that's the team. One. That's the one, yes. So, um, who is the technical brain? Obviously, it's Anil Kumar, right? That's right yes. So is he the guy that's developing the algorithm? That's right. Okay, that's right. all right. So tell us a little bit about your team and how you came together. Where was the genesis of that? How did you meet? How did you know each other?
1: Right, right. So I think, um, so what I really thought was for this business to grow, we need experts in each of the fields, right? Mm. So we need somebody who has an experience in operations, which is myself and then we need somebody who has the experience of marketing and business development and growth hacking Mm. because we need to be able to reach out to as many businesses as possible we need to become a homegrown brand that that consumers relate to that businesses relate to yeah so which is where i so i knew kanika from university as well i I like the fact you
0: call her a growth hacker rather than a chief marketing officer yeah so, it, why, why so for those who are kind of familiar with the term right what right. exactly are you talking about here
1: yeah so it's not just marketing right so her job mm. doesn't just end at marketing the product it's mm. about growing the business right and whatever it takes for you to grow the business you know so you uh, leverage all the social media channels, right. offline channels. Reach out to these businesses, convert these businesses, retain their businesses, and different ways and different angles in mm. which you reach out to them and convert them. Yeah, so really growing the business and not just mm. marketing ourselves. Right, right. Especially
0: right. you know coming from Unilever. I know she's right. not from Unilever, but yourself yeah. from yeah. Unilever, marketing's quite different, isn't it? Right. in right. That right. context right. it can mean, for example, sitting on a budget, right. assigning that budget to right. an ad right. agency. Right. You know, that's very how it different. works. It's very, very, it's different. like writing checks, isn't right, it? Right, right. Whereas, <laughs> uh, you know, Chief Growth Growth Hanker, yeah, yeah, does everything within marketing exactly. Right? You exactly. know, and and very much hands-on, correct, correct, and testing, correct. not having a sort of a very top-down approach towards correct, marketing. Okay, correct.
1: so marketing, sales, BD combined,
0: everything. Yeah, is what yeah. it needs. So it's right. Kanika. You met f- at university, and yes. Anil.
1: Yes, so Anil, I know for like ten years back uh, right. from India as well okay. so so he's like a proper tech geek who's passionate about building products and right. doing something of his own. So even before we started this, I used we always used to have conversation, I've built this, this is how which is already live. I'm trying out this and all of that stuff. So yeah. I could really see the hunger to do something innovative and right. creative and start build something from scratch. So he has like more than like eleven twelve experience in tech. Right. Using in, in
0: an air, well, he's worked at an airline as well previously. So yes, that right, Was right. probably very logistics based as correct, well. Right? Correct, correct, correct.
1: Yeah. So, so he has experience in a lot of different industries. Working in tech, yeah, uh, different tech solutions, multi-tier architecture, everything. So he has. So we really have the expertise in terms of operations mm. to sus- to really you know make sure we're able to manage end to end logistics and then we have expertise in terms of growth hacking so which is where Mm. Kanika comes in and then expertise in terms of the product the tech that we're building because at the end of the day we are a tech company yeah so which is where which is how we ended up forming the team great yeah
0: I don't know Kanika's background but you said you're from university you met are you all three born in India
1: uh yes all right are you all here in
0: Singapore yes yes Okay, and how many people are you in your team at the moment? Is it just you three founders or you have more in your team?
1: No, we have. So we have, I mean, we're leveraging a lot of interns there. <laughs> yeah. So we have interns uh, in Singapore, uh, managing business development operations. Yeah. And then we also have a lot of developers, some in Singapore and some back in India. Okay, yeah. good.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Um, I want to talk about your fundraising as well and your right. current situation. Right. How old is your business now? Right. Uh, so we started in Singapore. Yeah. yeah, So we have been in Singapore for around eight, nine months. Eight, nine months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If we can just flip back onto the pitch deck here. How have you funded right. it until now? Right. Uh,
1: so we we uh, got a few few rounds from, I mean, not rounds, but a small uh, amount from Angels. And then yeah. we bootstrapped. And now we're raising our first main seed round uh, as we speak right now yeah. uh, for around half a
0: million. Why, why did not you, let, let me just play devil's advocate here. Why don't you bootstrap this in India? Because yeah, yeah. I know you have your developers there, but right. Singapore is an right. expensive place to bootstrap right, a business.
1: Right, right. No, you're right. So Singapore definitely is only the test bed, yeah. right? So the the refund that we are raising is not really to expand in Singapore. Right. It is to expand out of Singapore. So the next market we're looking at is Indonesia, right? Mm. That is really our next way to go, which is why we're raising the round right now. And Singapore was just to test the technology right. and make sure everything is in place. And it's a yeah. highly
0: competitive market right, as well. Right, so right. you get it right here. Right. And you have access to funding here. Right, right. So go back to the funding. You self-funded and bootstrapped. Yeah. Then you got an angel round. Yeah. You yeah. got a, like a, a seed round. Right, right. And currently, what's your situation in terms of fundraising?
1: So, so yeah. So we are in talks with a lot of <laughs> investors who are... It be some, some of them are in Singapore, some of them are in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Basically what we're looking for is investors whose focus is in let's say Indonesia mm-hmm. and the overall Southeast Asia in general and also who's interested in the space of e-commerce
0: logistics. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. And is there any particular investors that you're looking for? What, what I mean by that is I don't think there's any shortage of money at the yeah, moment, Yeah, you know. there's. Uh, Southeast Asia, Asia yeah. is awash with money. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're also looking for access to Indonesian markets. Are there, right. like, is it institutional investors? Is it yeah. part logistics partners, for example, yeah, who might yeah. want to take a stake in you? Do you have a particular idea yeah, about yeah. the kind of partners you want as investors?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think one is definitely the, somebody who can get us the access, right? Like mm. you mentioned, access to Indonesia, mm. as well as some of the other Southeast Asia markets as well. So what we're looking for is investors Who not just bring in money, but also uh, mentorship is definitely one thing which we expect from the VCs Mm. and the guiding, you know, the guiding line towards where uh, and the vision, which is aligned between us as well as the investors, which is very important for us. And then somebody who can bring connections and access to these markets. So technical kind of investors who understand the technology industry, who yeah. understands the e-commerce logistics industry, and who believes in the much, much longer term vision that we're looking at.
0: Great. right? Let's talk about your team as well, because yes. you must be expanding. Yes. So, um, always curious to know what kind of people you're looking for. Yeah. Do you um, focus on the, the hard skills that they yeah. bring to the team, yeah. or do you focus on the attitude of the person to join yeah. your team? Um, do you have a specific shopping list of people yeah. that you <laughs> want to join your your, yeah. your founding yeah. team, so yeah. to speak? Yeah. Um, because there are people who will watch this and say, hey, yeah. "Hey, look, you know, I want to help. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to be part of this. I right, get, right. you know, current, I get your vision and where yeah. you want to go with this. I yeah. think I can help." Yeah. yeah. Over to you. I mean, in terms of that sort of recruitment, yeah. Do you have specific needs, or is it more the personality you're looking for?
1: Yeah. So we are definitely hiring at this point, right? So mm. we're hiring developers in India. We're hiring. Uh, operations, marketing, Mm. like senior uh, key leadership positions in Indonesia Mm. as well as in Singapore, right? Mm. For me, I think in terms of who I'm looking for and and who we as a team are looking for, one thing, one trait that I look for mainly and badly is the
0: hunger. Hunger, yeah, let's define that. Is the the hunger, because Is that on the CV? Can I see that on somebody's CV, resume? No,
1: no, No, it's definitely not on CV. I mean CV is just to get an interview, but it's the discussion that we have that really Mm. tells us about that hunger because I feel that you need one set of hard skill Mm. whether it is in terms of marketing or in terms of logistics or in terms of technology but that's not enough to work in a startup Yeah, because in a startup what you need is to go beyond what you already know in order to contribute to the startup's mm-hmm. success in the long mm-hmm. term, right? So for, for example, I mean, I didn't have much experience in tech or marketing, but I, I'm learning myself mm. from all of the people around. And same applies to marketing people, you know, who get their hands dirty in operations as well sometimes. So, so basically it's about hunger to really learn and grow themselves as well as the business. Mm. And who's really curious, you know, to be, part of this journey to really get their hands dirty, to really learn, and really do whatever it takes to move in the right direction, to yeah. move forward, right? And which is definitely, I think it's more important, especially when you join a startup at this early stage. Yeah.
0: How, right? how do you identify that at that early stage when you, you're talking to potential candidates? Yeah, yeah. How do you identify yeah. the hunger Yeah when it's not on the CV right. and you talk about curiosity all these are very important traits right, right. are there specific questions you would yeah. ask not giving the game away but are there specific <laughs> things you look for yeah. that they've yeah. done yeah. or the things that they say yeah because yeah. this is really pitched at right. other founders how do right. they because this is always a challenge right. isn't it right. right sometimes you don't know until they right. start and then right. you realize there isn't a good fit right right, right. so is that right. that's one way of doing it but right. that can be right. quite costly in terms of time right. what about what's your own sort of strategy in that right. case
1: you, you know, I mean, it's definitely a gamble uh, at the end of the day, right? Mm. Uh, if you're hiring for, let's say, uh, fresh for fresh grads and stuff, uh, you can always start with internships and see how they're performing, you know, how they're responding responding to the hardships. Yeah. You know, that, that for me is really reflects your character, right? When business is going down, nothing is working, how do you come out of it and how do you respond to that situation is what defines how you will be when it's in good times, right? Mm. In good times, everybody's good, happy world is nice, it's good, but what, what happens when it's not good? Yeah. So you can see, for, for, for a junior roles, you can always see from the internship's perspective, right. but then for the senior roles, and th- that's what we're looking for, it's, you know, like I said, it's really difficult unless, you know, you work with a person. So at the end of the day, you always need to get it out from your internship, interviews and stuff. And I really like to meet, meet the person mm. once, twice, thrice, put them in different kind of situations, give them a real life problem, see how they respect, how they're thinking, you know. Um, and you can always really make out the difference in terms of picking problems versus finding solutions. Right, what's the right. difference? Explain you know, to me. So one is you have a situation and one approaches, Okay, this is not right, this is not right, this is a problem, what do we do? Yeah. Right. And the other is, okay, what do we do to solve it? Mm. Right? How do we come up with a solution? What's next? And thinking of whatever is done wrong, because you always have screw ups, right, mm. in startups. But how do you fix them, right? How do you fix them in the immediate basis and how do you find a long term solution? So having that knack of finding solutions and making things work in whichever form they are, that is something which is very important. Yes, and yeah. that's not something yeah.
0: necessarily you can learn or are trained right. into. Correct. That's almost like a character trait, exactly. isn't it? Correct. When you Correct. present them with a challenge, right.
1: Right.
0: how are they gonna come back to you and say, well, we can't do this because of X, Y, and Z, exactly. or are they gonna say, okay, exactly. maybe I don't have all the answers, right, but let's try this, exactly. and that's what you've gotta do. And this is very different, isn't it, coming from the right. corporate world right. where right. Right you have to have everything kind of there for you and have all the resources. Exactly, exactly. And here it's a very different world.
1: Correct, correct. So resourcefulness, like you rightly said, Mm. you know, how do you find the solution? You, You may not have the resources, you know, you may not have the budget, you don't have enough people, uh, you might not have connections but how do you still make things work mm. you know if a is my best case scenario and i cannot do it for because of several reasons which we understand what's the next best how do you make sure that happens and once that happens how do we uh, aim towards that a best case scenario right you know, so that kind of attitude is something which is natural you know out of the attitude Absolutely. you don't learn it
0: yeah right. exactly well right. that that's really good advice as well right now I wanna ask you the ATP question of the day, which we've asked all our founders today. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. Um, you kind of in, in a way, I think you've kind of alluded to the answer already, yeah. but a bit of role play then. Um I'm an eighteen year old Karan, and I'm yeah. you know, eighteen I'll be going to yeah. university maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, or maybe somebody says to me, so I'm faced with all these life choices. Yeah. Yeah. I can go to university and study as an engineer, yeah. or you know, my family want me to to become a doctor, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as an Asian, I'm sure you can appreciate this this pressure. And you know, doctor, engineer, lawyer, accountant, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, I'm hearing now that I might need to go and work as yeah. you know, start my own startup. You know, yep, yep. screw college. Let's just go and yep. start my own startup. I'm yep. getting all this kind of conflicting advice. I'm right. 18 years old, right, right. staring at this career path ahead of me. Right, right. I'm feeling overwhelmed with all this choice and conflicting yeah. advice. Whereas, you yeah. know, 10 years ago, it's very easy. Just go to college, graduate, right. then work it out. What right, do I right. do now? How, right. how do I work this out? How would you advise somebody in that situation?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I have my younger brother as well. So I used to play, do that role play <laughs> with him as well. Uh, my, my advice is always, you know, keep your options open and explore, you know. Uh, just because engineering is the way to go, which used to be a lot in my times as well, th- that shouldn't be the reason why you do engineering. But mm. you do engineering because that's where your interest lies, right? Uh, exploring, you know, explore different things. Mm. Uh, even when you go to university, right? So when I was in university, you don't just study engineering, you know, you. So I studied engineering. And then I also took minor degrees in business and entrepreneurship. Mm. So, so because my idea was just to explore as much as you can, because you know you don't know what you don't know, right? So, and unless you know all of those options, you can never make a wise decision, mm. right? So, my advice is always explore as many options as you can, and for that. If you have to do university to get that hard skill, if you have to do probably let's say internship or if you want to start something of your own, whatever it takes for you to explore that, take that plunge because you're going to learn from it and then know what's out there and then make a decision of where your interest lies and what what makes you happy and where you can add value, right? So these two things are most important. So, yeah, so that's always my advice. That's great advice, yeah. That I'd would be my advice to younger myself. Explore, yeah. I take yeah. the
0: opportunity to see what options are out there. I right, remember that right. the Steve Jobs commencement speech, the address is yeah. that he talks about being at university and then right. going to design classes yeah, and dropping yeah. in on, like, you know, calligraphy classes exactly. as well. Because like you're talking about happiness as well and right. finding what you're passionate about. Right, right. Don't just do engineering. Right, do right. engineering and use that as a platform to explore right, other right, things as right. well.
1: Correct, correct. Because, you know, there, there are a lot of things that needs to come together for you to be able to find what you want to do in the long term, yeah. right? Which is what what are, you, what are you passionate about, you know, and then what are you good at? And then at the end of the day, you also need to make money, right? So finding that good balance between something you're passionate about, which which, which is going to make you happy, something you're good at where you can add value as well. And something that can, you know, fill your pockets as well. So finding that perfect balance between mm. these three things, it's never easy. And you cannot most of the people may not be able to do that, do that at the age of eighteen. And you can always you can only find that perfect balance once you explore out there. So don't settle too early. Explore out there and then see the options, then make that decision.
0: Great advice, explore. Yeah. Karen Badwaj, yes. everybody. CEO and co-founder of Rara Delivery. It's been yes. a real pleasure having you on the show See, today.
1: my pleasure. It is lovely talking to you, Graham.
0: Thanks for sharing your journey with us.
1: Thank you, thank you. And for
0: those people that were watching, listening, that want to reach out to you yeah. for whatever reason, potential yeah. investors, potential partners, yeah. Yeah. potential team members, yeah. et cetera, yeah. what is the most effective way yeah. of getting in touch with you?
1: Yeah, I'm active on LinkedIn. I would. I love to connect people on LinkedIn, so mm. I'm always available on LinkedIn, and then can directly write to me over my email as well. So my email is Karen at Rara Excellent. We'll put yes. all the details in the show perfect, notes. Perfect. Perfect. That's great.
0: Thanks for coming today, Karen. And um, let's get an update. Let's see. You know where we are in six to 12 months from yes. now, because this is yes. always a journey. Yes. It's a journey that unfolds, Definitely. and we don't. We don't know quite the 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 route we're gonna take yeah but yeah. destination usually is right, you right. know where we're heading but exactly. you know let's see how that goes in six to twelve months how your expansion goes sure. how your fundraise goes yeah yeah you know the latest news from your team as yeah, well so yeah. please come back and share that with us sure
1: definitely we'd love to be back here thank Excellent. you so much